Hi there guys and welcome to today's live stream. We're going to be talking all about the perfect back pain relief program, our back and shake protocol. Hopefully you guys are going to find this really, really interesting. As a little disclaimer, we've created this, we've been treating patients for back pain specifically uh, over the years. And this is kind of based and put together on the thousands of patients that we've seen, including most of the patients. We're talking about 95 to 99% of those patients have spinal imaging. So we have that really detailed understanding of the spine which is probably why a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about in today's live stream will go maybe contrary to stuff you've tried before when it comes to rehabbing your lower back. So stay tuned. You're going to learn some new things in this video. And if you're one of our premium members already in the Back in Shape protocol, then this is going to be a great refresher for you too. As always, if you're new to the channel, please do consider subscribing. Hit the notification bell. We go live every single weekday. Uh, we do this as sort of a service to you guys. So you can ask questions. We do Q&A at the end of every single live stream. That hopefully you guys can get on ask any questions and we can help get your back pain better together so with that being said let's get into today's live stream okay so as i said this is going to be a little bit of a uh, refresher for some of you guys that are that are watching the live streams we know some of you tune in every day uh, and take advantage of that q a so if you are sort of a regular to the channel welcome back uh, Lara's behind the camera as you guys always know and she'll be taking your questions and answers so please do get those in as we're going through if something pops in your head pop it down and we'll make sure that we answer those at the end of the live stream uh, I'll go through kind of the topics that we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about the injury what what kind of is happening in the majority of cases of back pain um, what's sort of causing that pain and that really will help you understand why as I mentioned in sort of the intro to this video why a lot of what we are saying is going to go almost directly opposite to um, what you will be have been seen on maybe if you're in the UK the NHS website or being given uh, exercise you've been given by previous uh, practitioners whether they're physio osteo chiros uh, you really start to understand why what we're saying is very different to that uh, but it works which is the most important thing uh, we want to cover a few of those bad practices uh, as I mentioned a moment ago and then really get into the useful content of today's live stream it's helping you understand those three immediate principles that you need to be adhering to with your rehab when you're back initially uh, gets into trouble and then more importantly the three strengthening principles these are so so important and just as a quick side note before we get into this we have a lot of people going through we're talking about thousands of members now going through our uh, just a basic back in shape protocols but one thing we see time and time again is that people get in and they jump straight in they do the exercises but they miss and skip some of the stuff I'm going to start about talk, uh, start uh, talking about in today's live stream. It's all in there, this information. And if we don't stop doing these bad things, you can do the best thing in the world, the best exercise protocols, the best treatment. But if you keep going home and doing these same things over and over again, that with the best will in the world, you're not going to get better. You're not going to get your back pain fixed. So it's really important. We have these resources in the Back in Shape Basic, uh, which is free for everybody. It always will be. And you, if you watch those videos and actually start to understand in more detail, uh, going into more detail on what I'm talking about today, you really will start to get a handle on your back pain. So really, really important. Just a gentle sort of nudge for you guys. If you are in the basic or haven't joined yet, make sure you don't miss those videos because they are there to help you understand your body. So that being said, the injury. I've got a nice little drawing. Some of you guys will recognize this drawing on the board behind me. This is essentially a lower back. And uh, we've got it from the side, the, 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 the bones on the front. These are the vertebral bodies. That's these parts here. We've got the discs in the middle. 
these are kind of the shock absorbers. Those are the things that quite often become injured. And this will be a slip disc, bulge disc, herniated disc. You might have some degenerative disc disease there and a few other issues and complications. Now, there are specific conditions here like uh, spondylolisthesis or other issues that are, involve a little extra degree of complexity. Uh, don't worry too much about those because the principles still remain. Um, and, and that's really, really an important thing. Now, our lower back, as many of you know, is designed to have a smooth lordosis. Sometimes people get commented that they have a lordosis. Yes, that's like saying you have two arms. Um, so a lordosis is something that we should have. It's not something that's bad. It's something actually in a lot of people with recurrent back pain, they don't have enough of a lordosis in spite of what physical examinations may have, have, have revealed. Quite often those physical examinations are wrong and that comes back to what I said in the first instance. We have a, a tremendous amount of experience working with patients with back pain and imaging. And quite often the thing you see on the surface isn't reflected in the thing you see when you look at that spine in a more close, uh, a close manner under imaging. So we can be wrong. There's a lot of cases where you can be wrong in a physical examination. And knowing that is not, is not, is not a, a bad thing. It's, it's admitting the fact that you might not have all the information based on that physical exam. And, and it's notoriously inaccurate, as a lot of research shows, uh, when you compare um, physical exam to actual imaging uh, findings. So that's a very important thing for you guys to be aware of. Now, the, the one thing I really want to point out to you guys is that we should have a really solid base of support to maintain this lordosis. On the image here, we've got sort of the normal alignment side of things. And you see these, these ligaments here are in blue. And these ligaments are designed to support that lordosis and maintain it in a strong manner. We have one real ligament along the front that maintains the front curve and resists that movement. And then we have all of those ligaments you can see in blue on the screen here that resist that movement. So we might think that perhaps maintaining that lordosis is very, very important and should really be of utmost priority. But unfortunately, with day-to-day -day activities, we spend too much time sat in a slouched position. When we're sitting, we load those discs more by flattening it out. And you can see it opens the gap between here where all these ligaments are sat. And what happens with excessive um, sitting and those sorts of activities, forward bending, poor posture, etc., we start to weaken those ligaments. So they start to become a little bit more wobbly, more easy to move into flexion, move into forward bending. And then we end up getting a disc injury. Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail about the disc injuries in the back or just back injuries in general, but it's really difficult to injure one structure. Quite often you might have an MRI because you've got shooting sciatica or really bad pain and they might say, oh, we've got a disc bulge here. But the reality is in order for that disc to bulge, so many other structures around there have to fail. The, the body is much more complicated than a lot of people realize. And it's not just a disc injury. The same way in whiplash in the neck, a lot of people miss the fact that there's profuse ligament damage because they're just looking for one little thing, maybe a fracture. And the lack of, the lack of considering the whole thing as a functional unit where one structure pre-stresses pre another really means that you're just kind of boiling it down to one thing. Oh, well, you've got a disc bulge, you know, never mind. Um, we have a lot of ligaments that work intrinsically with that disc. And some arguments would be made that Actually, it's really just separated out for our academic learning rather than the functionality that it actually uh, displays in real life. So when we've injured those discs, maybe we've got a bulging disc, you can see what's often happening here. We have a forward bend. Most of the images that we see with patients with recurrent lower back pain in the clinic have some degree of loss of curve, whether it's 25% in the standing position, which is going to be substantially worse in the seated position, 
or whether it's much, much more. Maybe they've got a reversal of the curve. The poor people are in that position and the, and the whole thing's going forwards here. That creates significant ligament instability in the back and really completely eradicates the ability of the spine to absorb shock effectively with the natural mechanisms that are built into it. And if we don't take this into consideration, we're going to start to do the wrong exercises because we'll have all too often that initial diagnosis or misdiagnosis of uh, uh, muscle spasm in the lower back. And that is really something that we don't want to uh, get into because muscle spasm will happen if you have an injury. We don't want to get bogged down in the uh, muscle spasm side of things. So what are, the, what, what are some of the mechanisms that are happening here when we've got the injury? We're getting a stretch, a passive stretch through here. Maybe we've got that disc bulge. Maybe we've got a little bit of ligament damage as well. And what's happening is it's opening this space up and we've got a wound. Now, this is oversimplification, just so you guys can understand it better and see it more clearly. I'm not that good an artist. It's not my specialty. So at least this image gets the picture across to you guys. But we've got a, some sort of damage in this region here. We've got compression on the front, which is driving this nucleus, this ball of fluid backwards, much like a jam donut. If we squeeze the front of the jam donut, it's going to drive back. It's going to break the dough on the back open as it seeps through. And quite often, this is actually just exploiting pre-existing weak layers of ligament, which basically make up what's called the annulus fibrosis, the outer layer of the dough of the donut or the outer layer of that disc. And the, the, the jam is just squeezing straight through there and creating damage. But in, in the process of doing that, these ligaments back here must also be weakened. They must have been weakened at some point. Otherwise, that disc wouldn't have been exploited in that way. Now, we know we've got the, the two areas been pulled apart. What is the number one exercise that a lot of you guys have been given in the past from your, from your, from your, from your uh, practitioners of some degree or, degree or looked up on, on, on YouTube or on the internet? Rounding the back. It's the child's pose. It's the uh, cat camel stretch. It's the knee hugs. It's the piriformis stretch where you pull your knee towards, towards your chest with one leg over the other. It's all about squashing down on these discs, pulling this even more further apart, and do you think that's going to open this wound out even more? Or do you think it's going to close it up and allow it to heal nicely? Now, what happens is we repetitively do these exercises. I won't get into this in too much detail, but essentially when we're doing these exercises, the reason you've been given them is to open out the space where the nerve comes out to reduce the pressure on the nerve because there's excess inflammation and fluid in that area. We won't get into why that's, that's, that's it's an approach but it's not really a long-term approach it's going to create more trouble because what you're essentially doing in the process of that is preventing these tissues from healing and as i've said before your body will try and heal it will go through a healing process the question is is it a good one or a bad one and if we're constantly stretching these structures here we're going to start to get very poor healing and you can experience this if you ever had a cut on your arm or leg, if you pick that scab all the time, if you keep bending that knee, you end up with scar tissue laying down. And that scar tissue isn't very healthy tissue. It's not elastic. It's not normal skin tissue. It's got poor qualities to it. It doesn't work quite as well. Maybe the pigmentation is a little bit off. Well, inside the body here, we're going to get scar tissue forming all through here as it tries to heal up. And some of you guys will see on MRI scans, things like ligamentum flavum hypertrophy. It means the ligament has gotten larger. It's got, two, it's got more ligament to it. It's got more stuff in there because it hasn't gone through that normal healing process. And now the ligaments that have, should have been this long have now been stretched. They're now permanently longer than they should be because you're doing those forward bending stretches. You're slouching in your chair to try and alleviate the pain. 
And this is, this is understandable. I know why you guys do this, but it's actually making the problem worse because you're creating instability in these segments. And it's going to result in a poor degree of healing. And ultimately, those mechanisms in your lower back that are there to protect you from getting worse, from allowing, stopping this section from healing effectively, really get interrupted in quite a big way. So we end up with a segment that doesn't move properly. So in this spine here, obviously there's no real support from ligaments, but as we go through a normal movement, all of the segments unload and bend uniformly. So no particular stress goes through any one structure. But if we've repetitively stretched, for example, this one here, this gap here, what happens when you start to move is this one will quickly, boom, it opens out very quickly. And the integrity of this one starts to get a little bit loose. And what happens is we then recurrently injure this same segment over and over again because it hasn't tightened back up nicely. A lot of people feel there's that tension in the lower back. That tension is because everything's pulled and opened too much through here. And really, we need to take the pressure off. So if we can get our head around this very contrarian pro uh, 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 principle, you'll really start to see why those knee hugs, those flexion-based activities, those forward bending activities, those rounding the back activities are making you worse, even though in the short term, they may well alleviate the pain. The sciatica, things like nerve flossing, where we get right up into this position, rounded over, really make things worse. So once we've understand, understood that we should not be doing that, we can then move on to the principles, the, the principles of recovery, the principles of rehab as well. And this is really important. If you don't cut those things out, you're going to end up in a lot of trouble still, even if you're doing the right things. Now, we've got three principles for you guys, so you can really understand what we're trying to do here. We have a back problem. We need this area. To, we need to leave it alone. What do you do to a child when they've cut their, cut their self by accident or they've fallen over, they've grazed their knee? Leave it alone. Stop touching it. Stop picking it. Stop ruining it. Stop making it worse. We put a collar around a dog so it doesn't scratch and interfere with the natural healing process. You guys need to do the same. We need to leave this area alone. We need to put it back to the best possible position, and that involves good posture, even though this quite often can be sometimes quite difficult. We want to learn to stabilize the region, number one, provide stability. We need to allow other structures like the hips to do more of the movement for us. And we need to unload the spine. And what does that look like in reality? It looks like re-educating yourself on how to engage your core. Too many of us nowadays, we breathe incorrectly, which is going down another rabbit hole, but we breathe incorrectly and we don't use our core muscles correctly. We spend too much time sitting. We are not active enough and we're invariably rather stressed as well. So we just stop using these core muscles effectively and we stop breathing effectively with our diaphragm. So there's a lot of stasis in this region and there's not that cylindrical support the lumbar spine so it's learning to re-engage that and for some of the guys that may be a little bit older they really struggle with this and i used the example with with uh, with someone the other day in the clinic saying that you might struggle to learn to re-engage your core it's a very simple exercise everyone can do it and it's incredibly safe because your spine should not move um, we won't get into the mistakes people make when they do that today but we can cover it on another video if you've got questions but if you have a child maybe some of you guys have children maybe some of you guys have grandchildren etc. When they're a couple of years old or, or younger than that, and they start learning to walk, and they fall over, and you, they do it twice, and you go, do you know what, Jimmy, walking's not for you. Maybe you should just keep crawling around on the floor. Stay down there, don't get up. Well, the fact of the matter is he needs to walk to be able to function normally in life. He needs to get up on his feet and be able to go and do things. The same way you need to have that core stability, you need to have that protection for your back. So although for some of you, it'll take a day or so, you try to get that engagement, 
Others, it will take a week or two. We've had patients where it takes them a couple of weeks to get used to doing this. This is normally things like uh, patients like ladies that have had C-sections, a real disruption to that region in the, in the midsection, or guys that have been sedentary for their whole lives and not really done any physical activity. Those two groups in particular really, really struggle with learning, or relearning to do this. But it is a necessary step because if you don't, you're really going to struggle with anything else. There's no point doing anything else because you're not able to isolate that area. Practice, practice, practice. It really, really helps. And then we've got the hips. In a lot of people, these hips aren't moving properly. So every time we bend down, we use our back. We're not using the hips. You see this spine has a lovely neutral position. If we bend from the hip, the spine doesn't need to move. So it remains in its strongest possible position whilst it's going through the healing process in a good position so that those ligaments heal up nicely, so that those discs heal up nicely, and we're not continually re-aggravating the area. So we need to improve the mobility of areas like the hip. And when we're stretching the hips, I know I'm holding a femur here, but when we're stretching the hips, it needs to just be the hip joint that is being moved. That way it won't bother the lower back. If we're doing it incorrectly, we will move the lower back, and we will do this with the lower back, and it will hurt. So we need to make sure our technique is correct. And then the final one, which is a fantastic lifelong exercise, is going to be the decompression of this lumbar spine. It's taking pressure off those discs by doing the uh, famous rolled up towel exercise, which is uh, using a simple rolled up towel, which most people have at home. Uh, or at least I hope so. Uh, and you just roll it up, nice big bath towel, place that under the lower back in the correct position. If we put it down too low, we will actually make this work. So it's a case of doing things correctly with purpose and watching the videos that we, that we give you guys so you can know exactly what you're doing. They're very detailed videos explaining exactly where these things should be and where they shouldn't be and how to do those exercises. And that's all part of the Back in Shape program. And this stuff is all in the basics, okay? That's there to relieve and just help that healing process kick off nicely. And then we get into the strengthening principles. And all too often people just stop here. They just say, okay, well, I've calmed down the inflammation. I'm moving again. Uh, I haven't discussed ice, but ice goes in there as well instead of heat. That's one of the mistakes. You learn those in the lessons. Um, but then we move on to strengthening. There's a reason that this back is gone. There's not enough strength and stability to protect both the hips and the lower back and allow them to function effectively as we get older. It's so important to keep strength, keep strength up and maybe build on a little bit of what you've got if you are someone that has back pain. I mean, you wouldn't be still watching this video, hopefully, if you, if you don't have back pain or maybe you're just really interested in it. Um, the long-term principles for rehab are really, really important. We want to go through a series of phases. It's no good if you finish this phase one and go, do you know what? I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to start doing my ab exercises. I'm going to do crunches. I'm going to do leg raises. I'm going to do planks, straight planks. Uh, I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to do some yoga. That's the wrong move. And that ends up knocking you back as we see time and time again. We need to stay the course and deal with this problem effectively. So we want some core exercises that stabilize the core offload. Now you've learned to engage the core. You want to stabilize it whilst offload. So we're doing exercises that are on the floor, keeping that nice neutral spine, not doing the classic tucking the bum under, which so frequently is instructed in certain forms of Pilates and yoga. We want to keep that spine neutral. We want a little bit of a hollow under here, a natural hollow. We don't want to move the spine, but we need to hold it steady as we start to challenge that midsection. And then the next step is to start to stabilize it upright, doing more compound movements upright that allow that core to hold the spine steady as it's moving in different directions rather than having the spine wiggling all over the shop. That's really important as well. And then finally, starting to use resistance, starting to really enjoy yourself with some of these, what we call phase three workouts, where you're able to challenge the core with dynamic exercises 
that are enjoyable, that give you a bit of a cardio workout, but that, that are fundamentally safe and replicate the way the core works. I said this before, how many times do you forcibly use your abs to bend down and pick something up? You really try hard to pick it up. That's not the way the core works. The way the core works is it stabilizes a neutral spine and you slowly lower everything using the muscles on the back and the hamstrings and the glutes. And then we come back up. So doing sit-ups and those sorts of things are really quite pointless. And not to mention the fact that they reinforce this position of forward bending and creating that further damage to the lower back. So that's pretty much it for today's live stream. I'll cover it back for you guys one more time, uh, just with the sort of thing on the board. Uh, so you guys can see exactly what we're doing. We've got an injury. We've got an injury that is a forward bending injury. If we don't deal with it properly, we're going to prevent this from healing effectively and we're going to lose the integrity of that ligamentous, those ligamentous structures in the lower back. That's really, really important. Doing the wrong exercise like knee hugs, like cat cow, like a cat camel, sorry, not cat cow. <laughs> cat, cat camel. Um, like, like the piriformis stretch where you hug your knee up to your chest. All these sorts of rounding the back exercises, we want to cut those out and get rid of those bad practices. Using heat on the back, which I haven't gone into detail on. And then we want to use those three principles to start getting us better. We want to uh, stabilize the midsection, we want to flex, uh, increase the flexibility of the hips, and we want to unload that spine effectively. And then those three principles for longer term rehabilitation, we want to stabilize off weight bearing. Now we can engage that core. We want to stabilize on weight bearing and do some more compound exercises. And then we want to add in resistance, stabilizing with, with increased load and start to really build those muscles back up again in a really robust manner. I'm going to Q&A. Okay, awesome. Um, just really quickly, if you wouldn't mind just touching on when should uh, members move from phase one into phase two? Because that is a real common question yeah. that we get asked. Yeah, yeah. People get, um, people get caught up and they kind of stay in the uh, phase one for too long. Uh, phase one is about just reducing inflammation enough for you to be able to start to do phase two work and phase three work, the, the strengthening side of things. And for a lot of people, they, you know, really a day or two is sufficient. As long as, if you can get out of bed and you can start moving around, we need to strengthen up. Sometimes it's necessary to go through that and you, you kind of integrate those, what we, we break it down into phase one, two, three. And the, the biggest challenge or biggest hurdle is moving from phase one, which is those simple things into phase two, which is strengthening work. And sometimes you need to kind of go into phase two for a day and then back to phase one for a day and then phase two for a day and back to phase one for a day. Because ultimately, a lot of people that really get stuck with back pain and have a long history of back pain, maybe they've had surgery or injections or some other amalgamation of things or been indicated for surgery. The core is just so weak and the, we need to learn to engage it first. But as soon as we can engage it, we need to start to train it. We need to start to strengthen it up. So even doing a little bit of phase two is going to be helpful. So the sooner the better, really, because it's that phase two that's dealing with the underlying issues, the underlying weaknesses and allowing you to safely build things up. And the sooner you start, the sooner you get stronger and the sooner you can protect your back from rehabilitation, because there will often be um, a degree of relapses along the way. Things happen, you know, you're, you're in the kitchen, you nearly drop the saucepan, you go down to get it instinctively and it catches you that's okay but once you're in phase two and you've made a little bit of progress even for a week even if you relapse you're never going back to square one because yeah. that muscle mass that you've developed that control that you've developed over that course of that week or so will always be with you so it means that the relapses will be less frequent and they'll be less severe as you go through as particularly the phase two phase one you could you could always go back to almost square one um you will have a bit more flexibility, but you never, you haven't made any strength improvements. So there's always that 
we want to get you into phase two as quickly as possible so we can actually make some some lasting permanent improvements we've seen that in the group actually yeah, uh, yeah. with members talking about that and also the sooner that you start into phase two the sooner you can get into phase three yeah which has been extremely enjoyable for yeah you i think a lot of people start to yeah start to really enjoy the phase three stuff because it's just a more fun routine okay fantastic um just quickly on youtube uh, georgina yep. has said that she's been looking back over her notes and she said that she's had back problems since 1969 um and for the first time she's been yeah. able to understand um she just says thank you she's oh that's now good doing that's really one. it's showing her the right way yeah that's Wonderful. really good georgina you know if you've had these issues for for a really long time like that you know it, it's just learning to engage that core as soon as you as soon as that light bulb goes on with engaging that midsection then it's a case of boom we can then start just slowly feed in the phase two exercises uh it's, it's really so important but hopefully you are really learning those things and, and stopping doing the bad that's really important yeah and then gina just also just saying thank you she said that she used to always uh, use deep heat on her back but yeah. anymore yeah um okay i'm gonna jump over to facebook face asked a really good question she said good morning is it applicable to do the child's pose in the short term yep. if i have a motor nerve trap at l4 but no pain therefore reducing the pressure on it to help the nerve heal and function or does that still make it worse you're, you're reducing the, the problem with that exercise is you are fundamentally reducing the integrity around that segment. So you're insidiously making the situation worse, even though it may well help momentarily with the symptoms. Now, there are a very few cases where it's, it's, it's just a really difficult situation and you kind of need to just need that one-on-one. -on -one. You need to, to go through it in a lot more detail. But the thing with that is that when you're doing that exercise, you are fundamentally damaging the ligament structures in the back here in the disc and you're weakening them. And you're probably really focusing at that level. That level's probably already got some weakness in it anyway, because otherwise you wouldn't have injured that particular one. And that's really important. Unless someone's taken a hammer and a chisel and gone on the back of that particular segment, the reason that one's gone is because there's been repeated activities over the years that have really exploited that. So by doing those child poses again and again and again, we're just losing the integrity of the spine. You're trying to open this hole out. We're doing the lumbar decompression stretch actually does that. It takes a bit of time to get used to, yes. But as you're doing the lumbar decompression stretch, it is opening the segment. It's putting a stretch through the segment, which is symmetrical. It's, a, it's akin to the, the balances of the, of the actual lumbar spine itself. It's affecting both the front and the back. And it's gently opening them out rather than extremely stretching them out. And it's, it's a short-term stretch. That way, we're able to do it in a more balanced manner so we don't mess up the balance between the back and the front. When we're doing that decompression stretch so it's going to slightly open this hole for you which is what you're trying to do so it doesn't catch this motor nerve but it's not going to create the instability and the imbalance in this region here so it's a much much better way of doing things it really really helps um and 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 will help you with your healing process if you can use that stretch instead the child's pose really has no place okay awesome and I th i'm pretty certain Faye is a premium member for, for somebody like Faye who doesn't really have any pain but she knows she knows that there's a problem at that junction mm -hmm. um, should she start on phase one? Um, how long should she stay in phase one? When should she, when should she, when should she move into phase If two? you're able to move into phase two, I'd move into it very quickly, especially if you have no overt pain. Um, you want to monitor symptoms, uh, over the, you know, averaging over the course of a week, especially if we've got the, the, the description of that sort of issue. It implies that it's probably been there for quite a while. So we want to make a little, bit of, a little bit of progress. I wouldn't be alarmed if some of these exercises are a bit of a challenge for you. Make sure you're doing them correctly. You're holding on to your core. You're doing those phase two exercises well technically impeccably um it's better to do two or three reps than it is to do 10 badly um so work on that 
and you will get there you will make that improvement and obviously that towel exercise if we do have a bit of an issue with the nerve being trapped in that region then that towel exercise is a great decompression tool to unload that area in a safe balanced way that replicates the normal imbalances that are supposed to be within the lumbar spine okay awesome um alex is on she has asked do you place the towel across l4 l5 or higher it's it's really the l4 l5 there are some slight nuanced differences there's two ways to find it number one is we find the bony bony bits here these are kind of the dimples in your lower back we come into the center that's and then we come up about an inch or so and the towel is going to kind of sit here the second option is we find sort of the waist uh, the top bony bits is called the iliac crest and just come into the middle and that's where we put it but it's really four five is the region that we primarily want to be affecting the thing with the towel is it's very very safe because it's got quite a broad applicator so it's going to affect all of these in a nice way just gently opening out the discs on the front and just unloading the whole structure so uh that's that's where you should put it it should not be down here if we're doing it down here we're going to create a lot of trouble for ourselves and that's probably the most common mistake that people will make with the towel um that they do it too low okay awesome um faye has said that's fantastic really helpful detailed explanation she is doing the decompression regularly which is awesome good Great stick with that um, okay ollie has asked if my pain is coming from my mid back is this more likely to be coming from my lower back instead of the bones in my mid back will these exercises help okay um so when it, when we have mid back issues so we're talking about the thoracic spine uh, around about the bra strap is the most common region quite often you're going to find that it's because we have a bad posture rounding through here or we sway back and it's rounded through here so we're putting extra stress to these structures again it's a similar story in so much as the muscles are permanently stretched and stressed which is why we're getting the trouble it's not going to directly refer pain down to the bottom of the spine that being said if we've got pulling on these muscles they run down through here anyway so they are essentially going to still have an impact because if you pull one end of a rope the other end is going to move so if we've got stress in that region it is something that, that, that can uh, arguably impact the lower back on a functional level. But the exercises in phase two, more so phase three, I would say, would actually be helpful um, to really improve that posture and start opening out the chest and really working uh, in, in a good way to, to solve that issue. It'll help the lower back as well okay. and the neck. Okay, great. Um, Joe has asked, you mentioned the ligaments of the spine. Could the pain come from inflammation of the ligaments and not the disc? Do yeah. the exercises in the back and shape program strengthen these ligaments? Uh, so it's important to note that we can't strengthen ligaments. Uh, but what we can do is uh, we can put them in a position where they are going to heal with less stretch through them. Our body's always remodeling. So we're basically breaking down those ligaments, breaking down the collagen and relaying it along force lines. Uh, the same way our bones do exactly the same thing. We can change our bone density based on the stress that goes through them because the bones are constantly being broken down and relayed in accordance with how our body is put under stress. This is why uh, getting a bit off topic, um, runners, for example, long-term runners, not someone who's just picked up running last week, I'm talking about people who've done it for decades or a good couple of years, will find that they have more collagen laid down in the discs, they're stronger. Or strength trainers will have, uh, will have more bone density in certain key joints. With the ligaments, one of the reasons we get you guys doing the towel is because it helps to remodel balance between the front and the back it puts the sh it puts the back ligaments back to their contractile shortened state so they will start to remodel around this length and it puts a little bit of a stretch through the front so they can more easily allow the spine to move back into that extended neutral position um, so the ligaments will remodel you're not really strengthening those up you're just passively putting them into the same position on a daily basis so they can heal effectively back to their normal sort of length uh, it's the muscles really that we're able to strengthen that Okay, awesome. Um, Kate has uh, 
I said she she knows it's probably obvious, but um, how could could we record a video or demonstrate on how you would um, make the bed, uh, bending over the bathroom sink, lifting bags, shopping, etc. I just walked over to to the kitchen because one thing that I find mm -hmm. is the kitchen countertop is actually really low down. Yeah. So whenever you're cooking, I don't know if anyone anybody else gets it, but I get real kind of pain in my upper back and in my neck because I'm constantly looking yeah. down so much. Yeah. And actually, that would be really worthwhile. Yeah, le leaning forwards. The thing is, it's difficult. I mean, you're going to redo your kitchen uh, and bring everything up a little bit. Uh, with those sorts of daily activities, we definitely do a video. I think we did one the other the other week on. Uh, bending down gardening maybe um but we can definitely do a video on that it's just these these sorts of activities are just more difficult um it's just a case of having if you have that's why we try and give you guys principles in particular because principles are applicable to lots of things that's why although some people just skip through it the education side of things understanding these concepts is really important because you can apply them to everything so the advice on gardening for example to take a knee if you've got knee trouble get some knee pads so it can so it can support that knee and make it less uncomfortable but take one knee because your spine stays more upright and engage your core is applicable to making the bed no sorts of things it's that when we're in a rush we put our body last and we get the task done first and if we just take a moment and and go through this process with a good neutral spine with the core engaged and work on those principles it doesn't matter whether it's chopping vegetables come and sit down and chop the vegetables sit down in a good posture at the kitchen table and chop the vegetables so we're upright with a good posture rather than leaning over chopping those vegetables on the on the counter in the kitchen because the kitchen counter is a little bit too low those sorts of things can really be helpful have it have it have it when you're when you're frying things on the stove take a step away you don't need to be towering over it the whole time uh, i mean you might get Flick back in your face if you do that. So take a step away, get back up in that upright position. A nice little tip is be fidgety. Don't just decide to do these things all in one go. Sometimes have a break. I was speaking to a guy, I think on the phone the other day about digging the garden. And he was like, say, look, I, I dig it for 30 minutes and then I just go away. I don't try and do it for an hour because I will be in trouble afterwards. And those sorts of things are important. If we've got, use time and break up those routines so we're not doing things for too long. Awesome. Um, yeah, Gina, Gina just said that she was thinking the same thing about the about the counter in the kitchen. Mm. She find, she also finds um, hard to make the bed. Um, but I think what you've just said is really great. And Gina's Gina's agree. She just said it's all about being aware. You yeah. don't really think about these things yeah. until. And it's great that you're saying. But but, but also on on a, on a side note, uh, Kate, there saying you know I'm not sure if it's obvious. No questions are obvious. There's mm. lots of people. The, the worst question is the question that you guys don't ask mm. because then you don't know. And just like that example right there, we've got Kate's asking a question and Gina's thinking the same thing. A lot of you guys might think, well, Lara's thinking the same thing as well, you know, as uh, you got up and went into the kitchen. So, um, you know, don't feel shy about asking questions because it's how we learn. You're not expected to know all these things. There are, it, it, the back is sometimes very, very simple, but there are also complexities that need a little bit of explanation. But once you've got it, you've got it. So always, always feel comfortable asking questions um, because that's how we learn. Okay, brilliant. So one more question. Uh, Karen has asked, do you need to continue doing these exercises forever after having back pain? Or does there come a time when you don't need to do them anymore? Okay, um, that's a really good question. That is a really good question. Um, I'd ask you this question. After you've been to the dentist, you stop brushing your teeth. And that really says it all. Um, we do get people say this from time to time. They come into the clinic. Oh, well, should I do? I don't want to keep doing these exercises all the time. Um, again, another example, when you were a child, probably wandered around naked a little bit too often and you got taught that we need to put clothes on in the morning okay and we don't go do you know what i've had it i'm fed up with having to put my clothes on every morning 
and not doing it and you just start one. Well, I mean, some people do do that. Um, they do do that. But your exercises are there to look after you. You only have one spine. You only have one of these bodies. And although we can do surgeries and not us personally, but although surgeons can, can do interventions in that manner, you will never be the same after you've done that. Unfortunately, it, it, there's always just something there that's, that's a little bit weaker than it should have been. Um, look after your body. Yes, you won't necessarily need to do the phase one exercise routine all the time, those sorts of things, but it's about care of self. It's just about re recognizing that a little bit of work can really maintain a very strong back. And that's really what it comes down to. Doing a little bit of exercise in the future, one of the progressions that we do uh, for the exercises, you don't necessarily need to do it every day once you're well into phase three, maybe even doing it for a couple of months and you're really, you're much, much stronger. You, you know, you're walking around, you don't get the pain you get gone, got used to get. You're, you're able to walk long distances. You're able to fundamentally do the things you want to do. Yes, you need to maintain it. You need to continue doing exercise. You need to spend a little bit of time every week. Maybe it's three days a week, four days a week. Maybe you enjoy it, so you do it every day of the week. But you do spend a little bit of time working on yourself. There are 168 hours in the week, and you're awake for a reasonable amount of those. What is the problem with devoting maybe three, four hours a week, because the routine takes you about half an hour, keeping your body in a good condition, and then maybe doing another hour or two a week of stretching just to make sure we keep those hips nice and mobile. It's really not too arduous. No one is that busy. Everyone can do it. Um, and everyone should make the priority to do it. It's just a case of getting to that point um, that's really, really important. Now, there's no excuses uh, when it comes to this. Everyone will be able to go to a different level of intensity. But once you've got to that point where you, are, you have a routine that works, you're able to keep your body strong, you keep doing it. You yeah. keep doing it. You don't stop. You don't say, I had a meal once. I don't need to eat again. Because we're constantly using that energy that we eat we're constantly you know, eating things and making our teeth dirty. So we have to do these things, to maintain the, a state of wellness and a state of well-being. And quite often, it, it's, it's the fact that we haven't done these correct strengthening exercises, flexibility exercises over the years that results in back pain at some point. So please, please, please in, embrace doing these exercises as part of your a healthy, balanced lifestyle. And you'll do really, really well for the long term. And it won't feel like a chore. It'll be a joy. Any other questions? Good note to end on. No, I think that's yes, everything. It is. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys found this video interesting today. It helps you better understand sort of uh, how to get your back in shape and how our protocols work to really help you do that effectively. Um, again, if you have been new to the channel today, if this is your first time watching, please do consider subscribing if you find these helpful. We go live every single weekday. We've done that since the 23rd of March. This is well, well into the 60 episodes. Don't miss a day. Today. We're going to be here every day, every weekday. Um, Lara's obviously posting up the uh, live stream topics in advance for the premium members, so you can check that out so you know exactly what we're going to be talking about. We will always do the Q&A at the end so we can help you. It's just a little service that we want to continue because it really, I think, does help a lot of you guys. So thank you so much for joining us. We will be back tomorrow morning with another live stream. At 9 a.m. 9 a.m. Yeah. tomorrow morning with another live stream. Have a great day. We'll see you then. Thanks, guys.